you have your Bibles, let's go to the book of Matthew chapter 16. I want to begin a thought today that we are going to carry through the next few weeks, probably three or four or so. Uh, and it's simply this. I will build my church. That's what Jesus said. He said, I will build my church. Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Verse 14, so they said, Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Then he turns around and he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, because Peter always seemed, to one, always seemed to be the one to speak up when everyone else was silent. He pipes up and says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. There is an element of our understanding of God that is revelation. I know in our society and culture, we want to kind of uh, dilute and, and boil everything down to just a lesson or a discipleship program or some sort of teaching or a tract and, or a YouTube video, and all of a sudden you're just going to now have knowledge. But, but the Bible makes it clear, and Jesus makes it clear here that there is a part of what we call revelation. He said flesh and blood. In other words, just normal teaching or a person didn't reveal this to you. You got this revelation from God. So there's some things that you can only get from God. All right, I think that we're going to start preaching right now. There's some things you're only going to get in prayer. There's some things you're only going to get by being around other apostolic believers. There's some things you're only going to hear when you tap into what God has to say. There's some things about God that you're not going to read in a textbook. You're not going to read or watch on a YouTube channel, but you have to experience it with God all by yourself. You have to have a revelation with God. You have to have a revelation about who He is and about what He can do for you and in your Life. He said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. I will build. I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, shall not prevail against it. They will try to stop my church. They will try to prevent the forward movement. They will try to prevent the progress. They will try to stop momentum, but the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want to start this series simply called, I will build my church. I will build my church. And we're going to be focusing on this passage the next few weeks. What is the big deal with Jesus asking the question about what do people think? He says, who do men say that I am? 
I always find it fascinating in this passage that he asks the question, who do men say that I am? Before he asks them, who do you say that the Son of Man is? Who do you say that I am? And why is it so important? Why does that question even matter? And as I was preparing and praying and seeking God for what he wants for us today, he spoke to me this. The reason it matters is because an understanding of who God is is critical to a faith and belief for what he can do. Understanding who God is is the only pathway to true relationship with God. Understanding the identity of God is the only way we can have an uh, insurmountable faith and unmovable, unshakable trust and belief in what God can do for us. And so it was important for Jesus before he tells them what he's getting ready to do. It's important that he explains and makes sure that he, they know who he is. Because if they don't know who he is, they're not going to believe what he's getting ready to do. All right. All right. We'll get the rest of it here in a second. And then he first he starts off with, who do men say that I am? In other words, who is the world saying that I am? Why is this important, Jesus? Why, why does it matter? Because it matters. He's trying to get at, have you as my disciples been influenced by what other people say that I am? In other words, what are they saying? Some say you're, uh, you're a prophet. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some, some say you're just a good man. And, and some say that you're just a good teacher. And, you know, let me tell you something. The world will always have an opinion about this Jesus. They'll always have something to say about this Jesus. They're always going to think uh, the way they want to think. And everyone else, let me just speak to you for a moment. Everyone else can have their opinions. Their opinions don't really matter. The only thing that matters is, who do you say that I am? Because at the end of the day, when you and I stand before God, and yes, we all will stand before God. It's not going to matter what everyone else said. It's not going to matter what Ben said or Caleb said. It's not going to matter what Brother Chris said. All that's going to matter is who do I think God is? Who is God to you? You see, you're not going to stand with your mom or dad or husband or wife on that day. You're going to be all by yourself. We do life together. We're, we get married. We have family. We have kids. We have grandmas and grandpas and uncles and aunts and all this. But at the end of the day, it's, you don't stand with anybody else. It's just you and God. There's a beautiful thing to that because that means it doesn't really matter what kind of family I come out of. I can come out of a mess of a family. I can come out of a broken family or a good family with both parents or no parents. It really doesn't matter because I'm not measured by my parents. I'm not measured by my uncles or aunts. I'm measured by my response to God and who I say that I am. Some of you should be thanking God because we come out of uh, horrible situations, broken homes, broken families. But God's saying, I don't care about any of that. I just want to know, who do you say that I am? Who do you think I am? What do you think I can do for you? Where's your faith in me? Do you have your trust in me? I thank God. He doesn't measure me by my family. I wouldn't have a hope. I wouldn't have a chance. But thanks be to God, he's looking at what I have to say. 
That means I can enter in to a relationship with God without my family. I want them to come with me. But even if they don't, even if I have to go all by myself, even if I have to stand alone, I'm going to stand alone because it matters what I say. Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? I know what the world's saying. I want to make sure that you're not influenced by what the world says. I want to make sure that you're not giving in to every wind of doctrine, every teaching that you hear on the channel, the Utah, that you're not just giving in to everything that you hear around you. Who do you say that I am? Have you been influenced by what you're hearing other people say, or are you influenced by what you have experienced? See, there's something about an experience. Church, we can never get away from this thing that we call an apostolic move of God. We have many different words for it. You know, you feel the spirit moving. We got to make sure to have a move of God every single service. Hear me, every single time we get together, we should be feeling God. We should be knowing God. We should feel his power come in. I don't ever want to take a church service off there. there I don't want to have dead church. I've been a part of dead church. I'm not interested in being a part of a dead church. I want to feel God when I come to church. I want to hear his voice. I, I want to know that he's moving. I want to know that he's with us. Why? Because if God's not with me, nothing else matters. If I don't have God, nothing else matters. Brother Donnie, if we don't have God, why are we getting together? We're just a social club. We might as well just get around and talk about the weather. But when God gets involved, anything can happen. I said when God gets involved, miracles start to happen. This needs to be a place where miracles are happening every single week. Lives are being changed. Lives are being restored. Destinies are being reordered. But it all comes back to who do you say that he is? I thank God he doesn't hold me to my family. And some of you need to wake up and realize that it doesn't matter if your mom and dad have it together. If you don't have it together, legacy is only as good as the next generation. Hear me. Legacy is only as good as the next generation. I can live the life. I can live holy. I can do everything I know to do and I can teach my kids, but if my kids don't grab it and live it for themselves, my legacy dies off. It's like a financial investment. If you, you save your money and spend your money right and invest into the right uh, you know, investments and, and generate good revenue and build yourself a nice little nest egg and get a nice 401k, and when you're ready to pass on, you leave a few hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars uh, to, your, to your kids. What good is it, Brother Chris, if... Your kids just spend it away. They, they don't have the same conviction that you had. You, you built that business, Brother William. If they don't have the same conviction, your legacy is gone. Hear me. I'm talking to someone right now. It doesn't ma matter if mom and dad have a relationship with God. It doesn't matter if mom and dad know God. Who do you say that the Son of Man is? What's your relationship with God? And we better decide in our minds that it, it, the, the generation that came before us, they're passing on. They're, they're gone. What matters is what I am going to do for God right now. What decision am I going to make right now to serve God? This is the question Jesus was asking. He's saying, 
Who do men say that I am? And they said, oh, some just say, you're, you're a prophet. Well, who do you say that I am? Jesus. And Peter stands up and says, thou art the Christ. And notice what Jesus says next. Uh, you have said well. You, you've received this revelation from God. You received it at an altar. You received it in prayer. You got it from experience. You've been around me. You've seen everything that's happening. Let me just pause here for a moment and say, when you get around Jesus, that's when things start to change. Don't rely just on your head knowledge. The Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. In other words, you got to try it out for yourself. I can preach about it. We can teach you about it. We can sing about it. But until you give Jesus a try, you're never really going to understand the power of God, what God can do. In your life, someone say amen. The book of John tells a story about Philip. Philip, he meets Jesus. This is really quick. I know I got, I got too many notes today. I got to keep moving. But let's just stay here for a moment because I think it's important. John chapter 1, 45. The Bible says, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth the son of Joseph. In other words, we found him, the one, the Messiah, the, the one that we've been waiting for. We got him. We know who it is. And watch what Nathaniel says. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? In other words, he had doubts. He said, I just don't think this is going to work. I just don't think that, I've, I, I know Nazareth. I know the type of people that come out of there. You're trying to tell me that, that God in the flesh, the Messiah came out of there. In other words, he let his prejudices and he lets his presuppositions cloud the judgment about what Philip was saying. Don't knock it till you try to church. Don't, don't knock that the prayer time. Don't, don't knock the moments in the altar. Don't underestimate what uh, you spending time with God can do. You see people that have walked with God for years. They, they've got something that you should want. They have a longevity and a faithfulness. Everyone say faithfulness. They have a faithfulness that we should all desire. But just like Nathaniel, so many times we let preconceived ideas cloud our judgment. We say, oh man, everyone at that church, they're a bunch of gossips. Oh, they don't really love me. They're just saying that because they have to. Who said they have to? You realize that when someone comes up to you and says, hey, how are you doing? You know they don't have to do that, right? You know that they don't have to tell you that they love you. You know that, right? I think so many times we just pass it off and, oh, they're just trying to get us to come to church. Or they're just trying to get us to join a ministry. Or maybe they actually care about you. Or maybe they actually care how you're doing. You need to learn to trust people. Don't let your prejudice, and I mean by prejudice, prejudgments about other people cloud what God is trying to do for you. Don't get trapped by your past. Just because someone else hurts you, it doesn't mean this person is going to hurt you. All right, I know I kind of hit a, a rock here, didn't I? I, gotta, I got some of you, didn't I? I feel a little bit of... You can always tell who got hit in a message, you know. Uh, there, there's, you get a little sideways on me, and I know. 
I got you. It doesn't scare me. I'm just going to come back at you, though. See? So you got to be careful that you're not letting your past failures, hurts, pains keep you from something in your future. There, there was a book. I didn't, I didn't plan on talking about this, but, you know, Sister Sherry, you're just going to have to follow along. There was a book a long time ago. They, they wrote, uh, it was named, I think his name was Joshua Harris. He wrote this book, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. Anyone ever heard that book before? Some of you, that goes back a little ways. I might have just dated myself a little bit. That's what they were teaching when I was a kid. I kissed dating goodbye. And the whole idea was that young people shouldn't date. Kind of silly, but okay, whatever. And his whole philosophy was, like, dating always ends bad, so you should, like, go out in groups and stuff like this. And, but I remember reading it thinking, well, that's just kind of dumb because are you going to kiss driving goodbye? So, anybody ever get in a car accident before? Well, yeah, too many. Well, just because you got in a car accident doesn't mean you stop driving. Hear me. Just, just because you mess up a few times doesn't mean you just give up altogether. Just because you had some mistakes or you got, you got treated wrong or you were hurt doesn't mean you throw in the towel on all relationships. It doesn't mean that you allow that experience to color every relationship that you have. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. Sure, it's going to change you. Sure, it's going to make you look at life, but you can't let it hold you hostage. What am I talking about? God has relationships in this church for some of you people that care about you, that love you, want to be there for you, want to support you, want to fight for you, not against you. They want to be on your side, but you got to let them be on your side. Let them fight with you. Let them go to war with you. But this is, what, this is what happens. This is what happens. We think that if we ask someone for prayer that people are going to think that we're weak. We don't have it all together, that we, we can't do it on our own. So we put on this bravado for the guys and for the girls. It's just straight up pride. You know, I, I can make it on my own. I can do it on myself. I don't need support. I don't need any help. Friend, that's not the way God designed the church. The Bible says, bear ye one another's burdens. Confess your faults one toward another. What is this? It's an accountability, meaning I can lean on my brother. I can lean on my sister when things are going tough. When I, when I can't seem to make it, I can trust my church family. If I can trust anybody, it should be my church family. If I can go to anybody, it should be someone that is uh, apostolic, someone that believes the way that I believe, someone that is spiritual. Everyone say spiritual. The Bible says those that are spiritual restore those that are fallen. What does that word mean? It doesn't mean spiritual uh, often the gifts of the spirits and raising the dead and Come open. No, 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 that's not what it means. It means that people that are truly Christians, people that have the fruit of the Spirit born in their life, patience and goodness and mercy and kindness and gentleness, those are the people I can trust. Someone say amen. Preacher, what are you talking about? I, I'm trying to get someone's attention today that God has a deeper relationship with you. So many times when God calls us into deeper relationship with him, he brings us into deeper relationship with the church, with our body, with our family. You want to know why he does that? Because God made this church. That's why the Bible talks about the church being the bride of Christ. 
It's talked about as the, the bride preparing for the return, the return of the king, the return of uh, the bridegroom. And, and it talks about uh, us being prepared. And that's why we see the, the many parables that depict this, a wedding getting ready to happen, uh, the marriage supper of the lamb going on in heaven. What, what is that? It is the bride, the church, being reunited with God. And so for us to enter into relationship, it's a singular in that it's you and I having a personal relationship with God. But when you do that, when you get into prayer, when you get into the Word, when you get faithful to God, you know what happens? He brings you into fellowship with the church. The closer you get to God, the closer you should get to your family. I, church, I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. The way I know I'm in the Holy Ghost is because I didn't plan on saying any of this today. Nothing. My message is completely different. But God's trying to get someone's attention today. This is your family. This is your church. God, God is puts you in this place for this time. He's got a destiny for each and every single one of us. You're not here by accident. You, you didn't just show up here a number of years ago. You didn't, you didn't just uh, run into someone at work that happened to go to life. No, no. God designed and called and has placed you here on purpose. And his purpose for you is to be whole, not broken. It's to be healed, not in pain. It's for you to have a future, not lost for eternity. And the way he wants to do that, first drawing you closer to him. How do you get closer to him? You get closer through prayer. You get closer through the word. You get closer through the things of God. You understand? You get closer to talking with him. Every time you open up your Bible, this might sound simple, but you know this walk with God is simple. It's not always easy, but it's pretty simple. Every time you open your Bible, you say, God, speak to me today. He has a fresh word for you. The scripture says, Hebrews tells us, the word of God is alive, it's quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's alive. It, it has something to speak to you every single day. And every time you open up the word of God, he has something for you, where you are at, what you're going through. It doesn't matter what you're going through, whether your marriage is in trouble on the rocks, whether your kids are struggling with suicide and depression and, and drugs, whether you're struggling with suicide, depression, and drugs. It doesn't matter what's going on. He has a word fit, crafted, designed to speak into your life. Why? Because he is drawing us into relationship. He's drawing us into fellowship and and when we stand before God it's going to be about that relationship that we have and while that is happening at the very same time as he's drawing us closer to him he's drawing us closer together you want to know how that works it works as a funnel it has to happen that way brother Ulysses it has to happen that way why because none of us are going to go to heaven on our own when God comes back for the church he's not coming back for me they're going to come back for Veronica and then come back. But you want to know, it's going to be all of us together. So guess what? If you don't like someone else in the, in the body of Christ, one of you probably ain't going to go. One or both. Think about it. If you don't love everybody in the church, everyone in the body of Christ, well, 
Bible says that you can't, not, you can't say that I love God and hate my brother. John tells us this. You can't have hate in your heart. You can't have spite or malice in your soul. And this is what's so destructive, by the way. What's going on in the church today? What's going on in society? Everyone wants to. The, the, world, the world is as crazy as it's ever been. I don't know. I'm, I'm still pretty young. But it's as bad as I've ever seen it. This world's bad. I mean, everyone disagrees about everything. Everything's political. I mean, I just said a simple thing up here. And I mean, it's like you could feel like, whoa, going too far there, preacher. I mean, we, we, are, in a, we are in a mess as a country. And, and I, the country, we need a separate healing. But we need to make sure that that mess doesn't get inside of the church. Hear me today. You got your opinions, your political sway, fine. But let's not divide the body of Christ over it. Leave it at the altar. You don't have, you know, you don't have to post everything on Facebook. I'm just going to say it. You don't always have to put everything out there on Facebook. That's the work of the enemy, trying to divide the people of God because he knows if he can get a brother talking about a brother or a sister talking about a sister, there's going to be strife, there's going to be division, there's going to be malice and anger and bitterness, and somebody is going to lose out on God. He's not just trying to divide the church. He can't divide the church. The devil is not strong enough to divide the church of God. I'll say it again. The devil's not strong enough to divide the church of God. Brother Willie, this is God's church. God created this church. God destined this church, this local church and the church universal. The devil can never divide God's glorious church. It's on the move. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. The devil knows he can't prevail against the church. So you know what the devil does? He tries to prevail against you. He tries to go at you, Brother Mark. He tries to divide you from the church. He knows he can't destroy the church. So he's going to go after you, Brother Andy. going to have to go after you, Sister Kathy. I'm going to somehow get them away from the flock. And any way I can do that, any way I can isolate them, maybe put a little bitterness, maybe put a little anger, maybe let someone say an off comment. Like maybe someone offends and then he just takes that little offense and he just digs away at it. Oh, because they don't love you. They don't care about you. They, you don't mean anything to them. They didn't even know when you were sick. They didn't even know. No one even called you. No one even cared about you. They called everybody else. Oh, my. I'm hitting somebody. I know. I just hit like five people right now. The devil digs in on that. Starts to hammer away. And pretty soon, that little seed of bitterness grows in your spirit. He, he's not going to divide the church of the living God. It's God's glorious church, the gates of hell. He, they cannot. It's not that they won't. It says they, it cannot happen. But what he can do is he can get you to separate from the church. And see, that's how it works. When you get closer to God, by its very nature, you're getting closer to your brothers and sisters in the church. By its very nature. Why? Because we're all going to the same place. It is God's destiny. It is God's will. He's going to have a church. And what am I preaching about this morning? 
I'm telling somebody that you need to make up your mind. I'm going to get closer to God in this day than I ever have before. I'm going to get closer to God that nothing and no one will ever separate me. Nothing could ever divide me from my God. You can't hurt me. You cannot offend me. You cannot drive me away. I have got a made up mind. Why? Because I understand that I cannot make it to heaven without a relationship with God. I made up my mind. Brother Stephen, I'm not going to lose out on God. I can fail at a lot of things. I'll fail every, I can fail tests. I can drop out and get kicked out of programs. Might lose a job or two. Might have a broken relationship. Uh, God forbid. Uh, it might happen. You can fail at a lot of things in life. But you better never fail on God. You better make sure that your relationship with God holds fast. You better make sure that you and God uh, have He knows your name. You better make sure you wake up in prayer every single day. Yes, I said every single day. You know, we make a big deal out of, almost say, don't misunderstand. We make a big deal out of prayer sometimes. No, it's important, don't get me wrong. But all the these and thous aren't really that important. You know, we think that our prayers have to be perfect. The Bible talks about a tax collector. Brother Francisco goes, so, he was so ashamed of himself. He couldn't even lift his head in prayer. And not and to get worse, he was standing by this Pharisee that was all spiritual, quote, air quote, spiritual. He had it all together. He knew his Bible. He dressed in his nice suit. He looked sharp. He had, he had his perfect get up on. He, he just had it put together. He was a Christian and he was a believer, you know, and everybody knew it. Meanwhile, this tax collector doesn't have his tie on right, and shoes aren't polished like his, and couldn't even lift his head. He was so ashamed of his lifestyle. You ever been there before? You go to prayer, and you're so ashamed of what you've done, so just disgusted that, God, I can't believe I let myself sin. I can't believe I, I did that. I can't believe I made that mistake. I, you ever been in a place where you just feel like you couldn't even talk to God because you Felt like you messed up so much. Can I tell you today that you are closer to God? That's what Jesus said in that parable. That tax collector that can't raise his head is closer to God than the most religious Pharisee on the planet. Why? Why is it? Because even though he felt the shame, the guilt, the burden, he found in his heart, the Bible says as he was beating his chest, he found in his heart and said, God, just forgive me. I need your forgiveness. I know I'm not worthy of it. I know I don't have it all together. And it was a simple prayer. He didn't have all the these and thous and the thou shouts and the King James language that, you know, we used to pray in King James language. That's all gone now. You know, we do new and international version and stuff like that, you know. I, I use the NLT prayer version, you know. God, help me out. You know, they have like a word on the street version or something. Come on, Lord, you know. Why? Because it's not about how you pray. It's not about 
your, your fine words. You need to make sure that you're calling on God every day. It can be just a quick minute every single morning, every day. You walk out, say, God, I know I don't got all my words right. I know I didn't wake up early as I should. I know I should have probably set aside more time. But I just want you to know today that I love you. This is Micah. And I just want you to know that you mean everything to me. And I just want you to know I need you today. God, I'm going into a business meeting right now. I'm going in to bid on this project. I'm going in to meet with my boss. I don't know what's going to happen, God. But I just want you to know that I need you today. And you know what happens? God's faithful. Oh, God's so faithful. He's faithful and he answers our prayer. He answers prayers from people that we're not deserving of a prayer. We're not deserving of an answer. Here's the thing. You're never going to be deserving of it. God doesn't love you because we're deserving of it. The Bible talks about Abraham. I, I'm, I'm going to wrap it up here. I left my timer up there, so I'm, I know it's hot out here. I'll, I'll wrap it up here. The Bible talks about Abraham. Why did God choose Abraham and the Jews? I mention this a lot because it's important to remember that the Jews are the people of God. It's important that the conflict that's going on in Israel is an ancient conflict that has biblical roots. That God promised the land, not just the prosperity, but the land. Everyone say the land. Everyone say the land. The land belongs to the Jews. It's absolutely the case when you read your Bible. And the reason that happened, why is it, however, that God chose the Jews? You know what the Bible says? The Bible says because he wanted to. That's why. He said, I didn't choose you because you were the greatest of all the nations. I didn't choose you because you had it all together. I didn't choose you because you looked so sharp with your hair combed that way. It's not why I chose you. You know why I chose you? Because I wanted to. Because I loved you. You want to know why Jesus died for you? You want to know why he died for me? You want to know why he made this church? Because he loved us so much. He wanted to save us from hell. That's why. Not because you were good enough. Not because I was good enough. It's because he was good enough. And he is everything that we need. And I thank God. God that he saved me I thank God that I don't have to be good enough to get to heaven but I can trust in his goodness and his faithfulness to save my soul if you believe that just go ahead and lift your hands lift your voice thank the Lord right now oh Jesus oh Jesus let's all stand Praise God. I got a great message. We'll preach it next week. <laughs> Praise God. Lord has other plans for us today. He said, I will build my church. The first step in building the church is you and I getting into relationship with him. It's you and I knowing him. Who do men say that I am? Fine. But who do you say that I am? It matters who you say God is. It matters your understanding about God. It matters that you see him as the one and only Savior. It matters that you trust in him and him alone. Don't tell me. I've said this before. I'll say it a million times. It matters what you believe. 
I said, it matters what you believe. If it didn't matter, then it wouldn't matter what church you went to. It wouldn't matter what doctrine you believed. And the question that Jesus asked would have been irrelevant. Get that right? If it doesn't matter, why does it even matter what they say? There's a lot of churches that believe that Jesus is a good guy, just a prophet, just a good man. There's very few churches that understand that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, the one true living God, God in the flesh. It matters what you believe. What you believe puts you inside of relationship with God. Hear me, friend. If you trust, if you know God, you can have a relationship with God. A scripture I quote often, it's in the book of Matthew. I think it's Matthew chapter 7. Last scripture I'll read and then we're going to pray. Matthew chapter, oh I lost it, Matthew 8, somewhere in there. Jesus tells them, Jesus tells them, many will do mighty works in my name. They'll say I cast out devils in your name. I healed the sick in your name. I spoke with tongues, all these things. In other words, I did everything I was supposed to do. Yet the Lord is going to respond with that famous phrase, we all know it, depart from me, worker of iniquity. Notice what he says. I never knew you. In other words, you never had a relationship. You did great things for God, but you never stop for a moment to actually build a relationship with you. You, you. you went through all the function like a husband and wife. The husband just, or a wife just looks at their duties. The wife says, I'm going to take care of the kids. I'm going to take care of the house, and I've done my job. The husband says, I'm going to provide. I'm going to make sure there's money in the bank account, and I've done my job. After that, don't bother me. I'm watching the game. Yeah, 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 you were in the family, but you didn't have a relationship. You ever seen those marriages that fail after? I always wondered when I was a kid, how is it that once the kids are all raised, that's when mom and dad split up, you know? Why did you wait 25, 30 years to get a divorce, you know? I always wondered that when I was a kid. It makes sense now. They're just going through the motions of being mom and dad, husband and wife, but they don't really have a relationship. And I tell some moms and dads here today, better make sure you have a relationship with each other. Those kids are going to be leaving one day. They're going to walk out on you, take off for college, say, thanks, mom and dad, for the you know, 20 years. I'm out of here. Some of you are like, I wish they would. They're still in the house, you know. <laughs> one day they're going to be gone. And the only thing you're going to have is each other. Be careful putting all that investment into those kids. You need to remember your marriage. Hello? You need to remember your marriage. This is exactly how it is with God. We, we think so much about the kids, all the new babies in the church. We, we got we to, gotta, you know, have good music, and we got to have a, a good service, and all that's necessary. But what about your relationship with God? What about you knowing God? What about you getting alone and praying with God? 
Church, it matters. I said it matters. I said it matters. And God's going to build a church, and he's going to start with you, and he's going to start with me. Right where you're at, I want you to close your eyes and lift your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray every single person that is not right with you would ask for repentance today. Lord, that we would get our hearts right with you, that we would be drawn into relationship with you in a new and fresh way. God, we need your hand to bless us. We need your power to overwhelm us. We need your voice to speak to us. Have your way in every single heart, every single mind in this place today. Saints of God, right where you're at, I know it's warm, I know it's hot, but just lift your hands. And I want you to begin to call on the Lord right now. Call on the Lord right now. Say, God, I'm ready to go into a deeper relationship with you. I'm ready to go deeper with you, God. I'm ready to know more of you, God. Some of you have come to a certain place in your walk with God. He's saying, come on, it's time to go deeper this morning. Come on, it's time to go further this morning. It's time to go uh, further into my word today. Hear me right now. Hear me right now. If you're in this place and you have yet to receive the Holy Ghost or yet to be baptized in Jesus' name, I cannot think of a more perfect moment than right now for you to make a decision. I'm going to serve God the rest of my life. You need to get baptized today. Everyone say today. You need to get the Holy Ghost today. Everyone say today. Don't wait another moment. Don't wait another week. Don't wait another year. Get right today. If you need prayer, we're going to open up this altar. We're going to ask you to put your mask on. You're welcome to come to the front. We want to be able to pray with you. Maybe there's something going on in your family, in your life. Uh, we believe God can heal. He can deliver. He can save. He can take care of it today. If you believe that, you would like prayer, I want you to step out of your chair, your pew. I want you to come down to the front. Maybe there's families. Come on down. You're welcome. The prayer team is going to come. They're going to have their mask on. We're going to be safe, but we're going to believe that God's going to meet every single need in this house this morning. Let's worship God. Would you come, church? Would you come? Would you come? Would you come? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. That's it. Why don't you come? Why don't you invite the person next to you? Why don't you look over and find someone that you haven't met yet? Why don't you say, why don't you come pray with us at the altar? Why don't you let God touch you today? Why don't you let God speak to you today? If you haven't taken that step of baptism, now's a perfect time. Now's a perfect time. Now's the time. Today's the day. was bought with that precious blood of Jesus. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood.
those who trade them for joy From the ashes a new life is born Jesus is calling yeah. Oh, come to the altar The Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was bought away The precious blood of Jesus Christ Oh, come to the altar The Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was bought away The precious Forgiveness was born.